Well, hey, everybody, welcome back to the Chase the Summit Trail Talk podcast. I'm your host, Dave. You might know me from YouTube. Maybe you don't. Maybe you just stumbled across this podcast by an accident. And if you did, welcome. This is the Trail Talk podcast where it's kind of like you're going on a virtual run with me and we're just chatting, except I'm the only one talking because you don't have a microphone and I do. Sorry about that. This week, I've got a pretty packed episode ahead of us. I apologize. I, I've been trying to keep a weekly cadence with this podcast, but uh, kind of got to be a bit much this week. If you if you follow me on YouTube, you might have seen, I think I put out three different videos this week, two watch videos, one vlog. There's been a lot going on on YouTube, so I just haven't really had time to make time for the podcast, but that's what I'm doing today. Thanks for joining me. Uh, before we dive into the podcast, I do want to thank the Patreon members out there. Uh, there's a, a select group of people that help support me over on Patreon by contributing a couple of dollars each month. It really means a lot to me, and it, it's actually been growing, I think, because of this podcast. But the Patreon uh, membership also helps the YouTube channel, it helps the podcast, it helps me keep doing this thing I'm doing, and it gets me one little step closer to... Uh, doing this as a job, which is kind of the goal, I think. I don't really know, but <laughs> right now I'm just kind of taking it day by day. Uh, I also want to thank the YouTube members, which is very similar to the Patreon group, but uh, not quite as, uh, it's a little different because it's only on the, the YouTube platform and not in Patreon. So now I've got two of them going on, but I want to thank both. Thank you very much, YouTube members, Patreon members. It means a lot, particularly shout out a couple of people like uh, Dave and Bryce that have been uh, contributors for like over a year now. So it means a lot to me. And I actually got to meet a few of you guys out there in the field. Uh, it's been awesome. So thank you very much. I also want to give a quick shout out to the merch store over at chasethesummit.com slash shop. I have a special promo code to li for listeners of this podcast, only for listeners. So don't share this with friends and family. Well, you can, you can. But this promo code is only for listeners and I'm not, I don't publish it anywhere. So if you type in the code LISTEN10, that's L-I-S-T-E-N-1-0, at checkout, you get 10% off your entire order at chasethesummit.com slash shop. We've got hats and t-shirts and sweatshirts and running shirts. And I'm very proud of all the, the swag we've got over there. It's really cool stuff. So check it out. And finally, I uh, just want to give a quick shout out to the sponsor of this podcast, and that is Liquid IV with their hydration multiplier. It's a little powder you put it in your water. It tastes really good, and you can get a pretty significant discount of up to 25% off by using discount code ChaseTheSummit, all one word, at checkout. That's ChaseTheSummit, all one word, at checkout for 25% off your order. This stuff is really good. I've been using it for years, even before you know, I've been affiliated with them with the podcast. Uh, they make good stuff. It tastes really good. I used it at the last race I was at at Vermont 100. I use it all the time. Even if, uh, you know, you have too many glasses of wine one night, the next morning, some liquid IV goes a long way. So <laughs> um, it's really useful stuff and not just for like athletic endeavors, just for day-to-day -day life, low in calories and really hydrating stuff. So check out the links in the show notes down below. I forgot to mention the Patreon link is down there as well at the bottom of the show notes. So check those out. Now that, now that I've wasted three minutes of your day uh, with my plugs, you know, they're plugs I care about, so I didn't waste your time. 
Uh, let's get into some of the other stuff. I want to just quickly talk about some behind the scenes, what's going on with me right now. People seem to like my struggles, so <laughs> I guess I'll just talk about that. Uh, this is, I'm, I'm recording this on sub- September 1st, which is kind of a big week for the, uh, the Dylan family. Uh, we've got, if you haven't been following along the podcast, I've been, we've been temporarily living with my in-laws. That's four kids, a dog, uh, two adults, and then her parents, there's them, you know, two adults there. And they also have a huge, uh, Bernice mountain dog. So we have two dogs, four adults, four kids, and a partridge in a pear tree. There's a lot going on in the house. Uh, but while that's going on, Work, my real job, mechanical engineering is what I do as a profession, has been bananas. We're developing a new robot. That's what I do, which is, sounds kind of crazy to say out loud. But um, yeah, that's been equally as crazy. And for the past year or so, I've been remote, which has been really nice. Like I've just been working out of my house basically almost 100% of the time. But recently I've been going into the office more and more, which has made life pretty challenging in the Dylan house with, uh, you know, my wife and I training. She is also a runner and into fitness. Um, so we need our me time to do that. But then also, you know, just picking up the kids from, uh, you know, daycare and preschool. And now this week we have the kids first day of real school. Two of the boys are, um, in elementary school and every day we actually have to drive them to our new house that's being built to get them on the bus, like their new bus, because we're going to be moving into that house soon. So every morning, it's like this rat race of like, feed the breakfast, get them in the car, drive to the bus stop, get them out of the car, drop the kid at daycare, drop the other kid at preschool. It's totally crazy. It's chaos every morning. Uh, So there's been a lot. And then on top of that, we've had some product releases this week on YouTube. So I've been making videos for that. And that's what's going on with me. I hope you understand why I've been late on the podcast this week. (laughs) So that's all to say in terms of training for me, I've been taking kind of a hit. I think last week I squeezed out 19 miles, which I wasn't too proud of. Uh, You know, it's just, it's just like finding the time has been really rough for the past week or so. And this week has been pretty tough too. So um, I'm going to try to make it count this weekend and try to get some long miles in to, to start boosting them back up because we have a race right around the corner. I have a race right around the corner. A couple of weeks. I think it's uh, September 8th is the Trail Animals Running Club Fall Classic, which is a 50K that both my wife and I are going to be trying to run. Hopefully that works out. My training has not been great for that, but we'll see. You know, I mean, I've done... I've done more with less, so I'm I'm definitely not going to win. I'm not going to set a PR, but I should cross that that finish line after 32 miles or so. Okay. I also wanted to uh, reach out to the listeners of this podcast. If you're a regular here, um, if you've got any ideas for like a co-host or a guest or anybody, make sure to go over to the Instagram. That's at uh, Chase the Summit. Uh, I have that linked in the show notes as well. If you want to hear anybody on this podcast, I've gotten a few ideas, a couple of suggestions, nothing rock solid. To be honest, I'm not a great interviewer, but um, I'm trying to get better at it. And so, you know, make some suggestions. Maybe I'll follow up on it. To be honest, though, it's just really easy to make these kind of rant podcasts with just myself. So I might just continue to keep doing this, but it would be cool to get some other people involved as well. 
Another goal I have coming up is every year up here in New England, I live in Massachusetts, if you didn't know that, we have a, a couple of big runs in the mountains in New Hampshire, which is about an hour and a half to two, to two hours away. One is called the the Pemi Loop, which is actually short for the Pemi Jawasset Loop, hard to say. That's an, uh, an old Native American tribe that used to live around here. Um, is the title of that. And then there's another one called the Prezi Traverse or the Presidential Traverse. And these are two like iconic trail runs in the White Mountains of New Hampshire that historically I've tried to do uh, at least once every year. And I've done that successfully like the past seven years in a row. This year, I haven't done either one yet. I actually haven't really gotten up to the mountains at all because I've been so busy and I've just been running locally. Um, But I got to get that on the calendar and it goes back to my point I talked about a couple of podcasts ago is, you know, races are great, but they tend to get in the way of like personal projects like those because these are not, you know, easy feats. Like the Pemi loop is 32 miles and 10,000 feet of elevation gain, but it's also in like super rugged terrain where you're like crawling up and down rock scree and uh, it's pretty, pretty gnarly. So I want to get out there and do that in the Prezi Traverse, which is, about 20 miles and like 9,000 feet of gain, but that's the presidential range, which if you're unaware is kind of coined as the hardest part of the Appalachian Trail. You know, it's really rugged above treeline. You can get some real nasty weather up there, super windy. So these are two things that are still on my to-do list this year, and I'd like to do them, and it would be cool to document them for YouTube as well. So stay tuned for that. I haven't done them yet, but I got to get them on the calendar, man. It's really driving me crazy. Pivoting into sort of a news topic here is uh, UTMB, the Ultra Trail Mont Blanc, just happened uh, last week, and some really incredible athletes out there this year. Of course, if you haven't heard by now, Killian Jornet just totally crushed UTMB this year. He finished in 19 hours and 49 minutes, beating his personal uh, best, or the FKT, the fastest known time, by 30 minutes. So this is the first time the the UTMB went under 20 hours, which is bananas. So if you're unaware, UTMB is about 106 miles, I think, and it's got a ton of elevation gain. You're at altitude. You're on top of giant mountains. It's totally crazy and absolutely beautiful out there. And I got to say, the coverage that UTMB provided live on the YouTube channel was absolutely amazing. They had drones in the sky, uh, live feed from drones. They had people running on the ground with uh, gimbals and in really good picture quality too. I don't even know how they had such good like internet connection out there because it's really out there um, and really quite amazing. And UTMB, there's something about it that's so special. It's like the Super Bowl of ultra running out there. And, um, you know, thousands of people crowd around the finish line it's really something amazing. You know, here in the States, we have Western States, which is kind of our biggest ultra marathon, you know, between that and Leadville. And there's big crowds there, but UTMB is on a whole different level. There's thousands of people, like the whole community comes out for it. People are cheering people on, running along with the runners. It's a huge deal. So really incredible um, to watch live on YouTube. I tried to catch as much of it as I could. And Killian just totally destroyed. Killian Jornet, incredible athlete, totally destroyed it uh, with 19 hours and 49 minutes. Other top performances for the men, we had Killian Jornet. 
We also had Matthew uh, Blanchard uh, at 1954. So he was only five minutes behind Killian. And he, if Killian didn't run, would have won and, again, set the course record under 20 hours. So really impressive by him. And uh, below him, we have Tom Evans at 20 hours and 34 minutes. For the women, uh, Katie Scheid uh, from North Face finished in 23 hours and 15 minutes. Marion Hogan, Team Solomon there, 24 hours and 31 minutes. And Caitlin Gerben at 25 hours and 7 minutes. And uh, Marion Hogan did really well at Western States as well just back in July. I think she finished in the what, like third or something. She was definitely top five uh, and really did well there as well. So really incredible performances by all these athletes. Congratulations to all the runners out there. You know, that is a huge bucket list item for me to see UTMB in person someday. So if there's any sponsors out there that want to help me get to UTMB, go ahead and reach out. <laughs> Drop me a DM in my inbox. I'd love to hear from you. Uh, okay, moving into the fitness tech news side of things. Got lots of topics this week. We First up, I want to talk about a couple of things I'm actively testing right now because they're kind of new. You might be interested. Uh, we've got the the circular ring. And if you've ever, have you, if you haven't heard about this, this is basically a clone of what the aura ring is. It's a, it's a ring, a literal ring you wear on your finger that when you order a sizing kit comes out with these fake plastic rings that you try on and then you choose the best size for you. Then they ship you the real ring. Now circular is a new company. They're still up and coming. The software isn't fully baked yet. And so my interaction with them has been really strange. They basically pinged me on Instagram they wanted me to review their ring, but it was funny because they weren't like offering a free ring. <laughs> they still wanted me to like buy it for 300 bucks or whatever. And so I was a little hesitant because first of all, I'm not a rich man. I don't make a ton of money off this YouTube and podcast situation. Uh, but second of all, like it didn't, the, the, the whole software hardware thing hasn't, it doesn't from the outside, it doesn't look totally fully baked. So I was a little hesitant to spend money on it. Anyways, we, we went back and forth a few times and I ended up just going for it. Like I, th I thought it might be an interesting test to see how it compares to something like the Aura Ring. And so I got, I, I got the sizing kit. They sent that out really quick. And it's been a weird interaction though, because as a consumer, you're supposed to get the sizing kit, then go back to the website, order the ring, and then they ship that out. But when I talked to the, the rep that contacted me, they, they basically told me like they have none of these in stock. Like these things are hard to come by. They only have a few. And so they told me they have like size seven and 11 and hopefully my fingers can fit that. And fortunately, my, my index finger, the one they want you to wear on is a size 11. So I lucked out there. So they sent that over. That took about seven days. And apparently that's way faster than most consumers will get them because they're so hard to get. Then I received the ring the circular ring. And then I tried to pair it with my phone and I immediately run into issues. So I downloaded the circular app to my phone. I'm struggling to pair it. It finally pairs, then it loses connection. And I'm messing around with this for like 30 minutes to an hour. I can't get it to work. So I just tell the rep, Hey, listen, I can't, can't get it to work. We go back and forth. I record videos of me trying to pair the thing to my phone, yada, yada. To their credit, their support has been really good. Like they, they wanted videos of what I'm doing to make sure I'm do, doing everything right. Um, and then it turns out 
my big issue was because I was running iOS 16 beta on my phone. I'm running a, a beta firmware on my iPhone because I've been testing the Apple Watch uh, beta OS 9 build. So you need the beta firmware on your phone as well. And so there was some issue between the circular app and my phone that gave me headaches. Finally, I think because of me, they went back and developed a new version of their app and now it works. So I've been testing it for the past couple of days. Uh, you know, my opinion will t TBD. Stay tuned for the video on the circular ring. It'll probably be out in a couple of weeks if I had to guess. So far it's interesting, but like I think it still needs to learn me because some of the data is a little bit wonky. I don't know how accurate it is, but yeah, it will stay tuned. I've only been wearing it for a couple of days. I'm just happy this thing finally works. And I wanted you to be aware of what it actually is. If you want to check it out, go over to, again, they're not sponsored, sponsoring me or anything. I bought this with my own money. And honestly, I would hold off actually buying one until you see some real reviews about it, like mine, that will be out in a couple of weeks. Um, but if you want to see what it is, check out their website. It's, it's circularring.xyz. It's not com. So XYZ is the, the, thing after it. So go check it out. It seems interesting, um, but the pricing is a little bit steep when you compare it to something like Aura Ring. Another thing I've been testing this week, well, for the past couple of weeks, are the new Ultra Mont Blanc Boas. So the, the Mont Blanc came out a while ago. Really cool shoe. I had issues with it up front. Um, it's a trail running shoe, if you don't know, but the issues I had were mainly with fit. I, I couldn't get them to like lock in my heel. And so I finally found a way to wear them and they actually grew on me quite a bit to the point where I actually wore them to my last ultra marathon, the hundred miler. I wore the Mont Blancs. I found a trick with lacing them that really helped. But uh, good news, they actually developed a new model of the Mont Blanc called the Mont Blanc Boa. And Boa, if you're unaware, is a company that makes a Boa system. Is It's basically a lacing system that you see a lot of times on... Uh, like ski boots or mountaineering boots, things like that. They've developed a version of it, a really light version of it that's now on the Mont Blanc and they partnered with Ultra to do this. So I finally got a demo pair of these the other day and they're pretty awesome. And I've been wearing them for a couple of weeks for all of my trail running. They're, they basically solved the issue I had with the fit by, there, there's two dials. So one dial controls the front of your foot, like how tight that is. And then the other dial controls the kind of the back or the heel of your foot. So independently, you're able to dial in uh, like exactly how much tightness you want in the front and back of your heel, which is kind of revolutionary. And like I said, my issues with the Mont Blanc were kind of the fit and the fact that I had to really mess with the laces to get them to work. These things, you put them on, you crank these little dials and they kind of squeeze your, it like hugs your foot. It's really nice. So I'll definitely have a video out very soon on those. I'm hoping that might be the next one I work on unless something pops up. So you might see that like next week. But so far, I'm really digging them. I probably just spoiled the whole review, but there's a lot less people listening to this than watching my YouTube channel. So I guess you get a little bit of a spoiler. I hope you still watch the video. <laughs> on the topic of shoes, this has been a little frustrating. So I think uh, on the last podcast, I talked about this new shoe, the Hoka Mafate Speed 4, which I was kind of excited about. It's supposed to be like a trail running racing shoe with lots of cushion and lightweight, kind of the best of all the worlds. I'm only hoping it fits my foot, but here's my frustration. Not with Hoka. They're really good, actually, about getting the shoe out. They gave me 
uh, tracking number, but my frustration is with the U.S. Postal Service. <laughs> so Hoka sent out the shoe. I saw it delivered last week with the tracking number. And so I, I have a P.O. box because I, you know, my privacy, I have everything shipped to a P.O. box. I went down there to pick it up. And the guy at the desk is like, "Yeah, we don't have it. I'm like, dude, here's my phone. Here, you can see the tracking information. It was delivered uh, a week ago. Where is it? He's like, I, I don't know. Sometimes it takes a couple of days. Like, come on, man. Like, help me out. So he goes in the back room, fiddles around, does whatever he's doing back there. Says, yeah, I don't know. It's not here. I don't know what to tell you, man. I'm like, what it got, what's going on? And this would be one thing if it was like a one-off situation, but this has happened so many times with my P.O. box and it's driving me nuts. So I'm actually looking into alternatives to my P.O. box. And if you've got any ideas, let me know. Like hit me up on Instagram or something because it's getting really infuriating. I might just start, start giving brands my, my real address to avoid these things. But I'm still, that's besides the point. I'm excited for the shoe. And I, I'm sure they'll figure it out eventually. And I'll get it. But I don't have it yet. So you'll have to wait a little bit longer for a video on that one. Okay, now getting into more of the big news this week. Like I said, this is uh, September 1st. I almost said April for some reason. September 1st. And on September 7th, I'm sure you got the email, saw the website, Apple, the big brand out there. Apple has announced they have a new event coming up for a big product launch, and they're calling the event Far Out, quote-unquote, Far Out. This is very exciting. So let me start this by saying I have no insider information. I know nothing. I know Apple is very secretive. And they have no, not told me anything, but there's a lot of rumors out there about a new Apple Watch. And the speculation that I've seen around the internet is uh, it, they might be called the Apple Watch Pro. And when they do that, it usually means that they're taking something pretty seriously, like the iPhone Pro, the MacBook Pro, etc. This has me very excited. If you've watched any video of mine where I talk about the Apple Watch, you know, I, I actually like it. It's a very cool device. It has an amazing heart rate sensor on it. Generally pretty good GPS accuracy. Tons of features. You can answer your phone on it. You can send text messages. You can turn your lights on and off if you download a certain app. It's amazing. It's a, it's a revol revolutionary product, and it's probably the most popular. It is the most popular wearable out there. Go anywhere, and you see an Apple Watch. Aside from that, the battery life is freaking terrible, man. <laughs> it's so bad. And every time I test something on the Apple Watch, I get so fed up with having to charge the thing like twice a day to just live with it. I can't deal with that. I know people have different feelings about this. I'm just the guy. Maybe I'm getting old. I don't know. I just, I can't, I don't know. I hate the fact that I can't sleep with it because if I sleep with it, the battery dies by the time I wake up. Or if I'm driving to work with, in the car and I charge it, doesn't get to 100%, and then it dies by the end of the day. And, you know, 18 hours of battery life just isn't enough. In today's day and age, Garmin's got OLED display watches that go for 11 days. So should Apple. Now that I've ranted a little bit, uh, that's the rumor. The rumor has it that the Apple Watch Pro will have significantly longer battery life, and it'll be kind of a ruggedized version of the Apple Watch. Hopefully, they'll put sapphire glass on it, maybe a really nice like stainless steel body or something. I'm expecting this to be bigger. 
I don't have any reason to believe that, but I'm I'm expecting it because they're I'm hoping they cram a big battery in it, maybe some new sensors, maybe like a flashlight or something. How cool would that be? Uh, hopeful for all those things, because as time as history has told us. When innovation happens, it typically comes from, Gar- uh, not Garmin, Apple. Apple t- typically pushes the envelope and then like everybody else kind of copies them. So I'm hopeful that they do something crazy. And the crazy thing about this one is this is the first time if you if you watch YouTube and you look up tech reviews, you probably know who MKBHD is. He's probably the biggest tech reviewer on YouTube. He's got like 14 million subscribers or something. But even him, in his last podcast, he he called this rumored Apple Watch Pro a quote-unquote Garminized uh, Apple Watch. Garminized. So it's interesting to see even these big, you know, tech people talking about this watch as a Garmin. And one other takeaway I have from this event is they're calling it quote-unquote far out. And I'm hoping that means far out there. You know what I mean? Like, out in the wilderness or out in the backcountry, you're going far out. You need long battery life. Maybe I'm reading too much into the title of the event. That's my hope. Anyways, if I learn anything else, uh, of course, I'll you know I'll need to be allowed to talk about it. But like I said, I don't know anything yet. Uh, all I know is that event's coming. And then I've noticed some other YouTubers out there actually have in-person events to, to attend the uh, far out event on September 7th. Unfortunately, I do not have an in-person invite. I wish I did, but I don't. Um, maybe maybe when I get some more subscribers, go subscribe on YouTube. Maybe that'll help me out. <laughs> Speaking of new things, if you've been following along on the YouTube channel, you may have noticed the new Garmin Venue SQ2 launched uh, this morning, actually. Yeah, my video went live at 7 a.m. this morning, September 1st. If you haven't seen it yet, go check it out on YouTube. Uh, it's a really interesting device. First of all, let me cut you off there and say the Venue SQ2 is not really designed for like hardcore, you know, ultra runners or endurance athletes or climbers or anything like that. It's really an everyday wellness watch. It's a, it's akin to something like an Apple Watch SE, uh, you know, basic wellness tracking, sleep tracking, but it's got a few trick up its tricks up its sleeve. It starts at 250 bucks, goes up to 300 bucks if you want the music model. Then you've got options uh, in color. There's six different colors. It's got a really nice screen, 1.4 inch AMOLED touch enabled the screen and beautiful colors, super bright, great even in like high, you know, sunlight. You can see it in multiple angles, really nice. But the trick it's got up its sleeve is if you're aware of the Venue 2 lineup from Garmin, they've got the Venue 2 and 2S that's about $399, I think, right now, USD. And if you want the really nice one, the Venue 2 Plus, which has a microphone and speaker on board to take phone calls, that's $450. This new guy here, the SQ2, comes in at $250 to $300. And it actually outperforms those more expensive models in a couple of ways, majorly in battery life. This watch gets up to 26 hours in GPS activity, which is crazy. Uh, and then you also get 11 days in standby mode. But on top of that, it's got the new GPS chip that we saw in the Phoenix 7, the 255, the 955. So it's, I got really, really impressive GPS performance from this new Garmin Venue SQ2, which I was not expecting because it's a budget watch. I didn't think they'd do that, but they did. 
It's got a good heart rate sensor. It's a great all-arounder. But like I said, if you're like a runner or a cyclist or, or a triathlete, it's lacking some features like the training load or recovery advisor. That stuff just isn't there. So I would avoid it in that situation. But if you're just like a couch to 5K kind of person or maybe just a casual runner, you go for a couple of miles every morning, or you're just somebody who tracks their steps or calorie intake, this might be a good option for you. Plus, it looks really cool. Basically, it looks like an Apple Watch because it's square, uh, as the name implies, SQ. So pretty cool stuff. More new stuff in the news this week. I think this actually happened last week. Is Fitbit officially announced the new uh, Fitbit Sense 2, the Versa 4, and the Inspire 3. They're all pretty similar. Um, the Sense 2 has a few new sensors. They now track all-day stress. Previously, the Sense 2 could only do EDA scans for stress if you manually triggered it. Now, this new continuous, uh, what do they call it? A CEDA sensor that tracks your stress throughout the entire day, which is pretty cool. Instead of having to you know, do that manual trigger, the uh, Sense 2 comes in at $299. The Versa 4 will be $229. And the new Inspire 3 from Fitbit will be $99. And that $99 price point is pretty interesting. It gets you an OLED display instead of the old monochrome on the old Inspire. You get an SpO2 sensor now, which wasn't there before. And uh, it gets pretty decent battery life with three days in always-on mode or 10 days in uh, you know the gesture when you have to flip your wrist up. So pretty cool there. I'm not going to dive too deep on the specs of them, but if you are interested in like a wellness watch, now you've got some options, the Garmin Venue SQ2 and these new Fitbits all in around the same price point. And the last bit of fitness tech that I want to talk about this week is going to be GoPro. So I've been seeing some rumors floating around about the next Hero 11. Uh, I'm very excited about it because I make YouTube videos. I use a GoPro almost every day of my life. I'll be honest, though, the GoPro Hero 10 Black is kind of perfect for me. It's been really great. I guess there's a couple of things I'd change about it, like maybe a wider lens would be kind of cool or maybe higher resolution. I don't know. But the uh, rumor I've read is that the GoPro Hero 11 Black will maintain the same design as the Hero 10. So the same form factor will be used. It seems like they're only going to revise the sensor to maybe provide better frame rates or resolution. But it looks like from the rumors here, it's probably going to be an incremental update. It's not going to be like a total game changer like the Hero 10 was. The Hero 10 was a big leap from the Hero 9. They changed the form factor. They gave it a bigger battery. They started making their own silicon, so they were they had a better chipset. It was a lot faster and responsive. It didn't crash all the time like my Hero 9. So that's why I love the Hero 10, and I'm super interested to see what they do with this Hero 11 if you follow GoPro at all, you know their release cadence is kind of like every October, like September, October timeframe. So I'm I'm expecting something soon, and I'm really hoping I can get my hands on one. Uh, be ahead of time. <laughs> I doubt it. They don't they don't respond to my emails, but it would be cool if they did. If you're out there, GoPro, please please respond. And that's really it for the fitness tech this week. But I do want to wrap up this podcast with some Q&A. So I think I'm going to do this every week. Uh, on Instagram, if you don't follow me over there, at Chase the Summit, follow me on Instagram. I put up a story every week now where you can submit a question 
and then I'll answer it on this podcast. It's been kind of fun. Uh, so I'm gonna keep doing it and I don't know how much time I'll allot for this, but it's a podcast and I can keep going as long as I want and hopefully you listen. So these questions came from Instagram. If you've got a question and you want to be featured on this podcast, send me a question over on Instagram. You can either just DM it to me or wait until I put up that story asking for questions and do it then. But it might be easier to just DM it if you have something on your mind. Uh, Try to make it, you know, fitness related or I don't know. It doesn't have to be. I'll answer anything. Scratch that. So this first question comes from uh, Orly Liba. And it says, is the Strava fitness metric reliable for trail runners? What metrics can trail runners use to track progress and fitness? Thank you. Okay, that's a great question. Thank you for writing in. So the Strava fitness metric, if you're not aware, is something that subscribers of of Strava get. It's like a a graph, basically. They call it a fitness graph. It's based on your heart rate and GPS accurate and GPS performance, and they try to gauge how fit you are based on that. I have major problems with this, and I honestly try to not look at it anymore because it seems so weird. Basically, for me, my experience, yours might be different, is that when I go on, when I like if I run an ultra marathon, if I run a hundred miles, my fitness score for that day will be bananas. It'll be like 80 out of a hundred. But then like a couple of weeks later, it'll drop down to like 50 out of a hundred, maybe 55. Then I run another ultra and my graph goes up to 90 and then it drops back down. And in real life, like your fitness does not fluctuate that fast. So I don't know what kind of hocus pocus they're pulling over there at Strava, but I, I don't really put a lot of weight in their fitness tool. It just seems all over the place. Maybe other people have different experiences. That's just me. I, it drives me nuts because it also weighs on my, like, I don't know, makes me feel bad because I'm not like, oh, I'm not fit anymore. No, I'm still the same fitness I was. It's just Strava being dumb and telling me I'm not. So my opinion on it is it's garbage. Uh, hopefully it gets better. Maybe I'm missing something. And it's not actually garbage. And maybe I am actually losing my fitness. I don't know. But to me, I don't like it. Personally, the the few things I've done to, to track fitness, like digitally, uh, I like Garmin's implementation of the VO2 Max. With that, my fitness really doesn't change all that much. It fluctuates a little bit from 55 to 56. And then in the winter, if I'm like really being lazy, it might drop down to 54. But it really doesn't go far out of that that range. And I think if I detrained hard for several months, I would see that actually drop in Garmin. But that seems more accurate than what Strava is doing over there. I also like how Coros does it. They have a similar tool to the Garmin VO2 Max estimation. It's their own version. It used to be garbage, but they made it a lot better when they rolled out their new features. And uh, I think they called it Coros Evo Labs. And that seems pretty consistent now. And actually, Garmin and Coros do line up in that regard. And then even Sunto uh, has a pretty good fitness tracking in their platform. Um, they, they use the same, the same algorithm that Garmin uses for theirs. So I find that pretty useful. Hope that helps. Uh, I think a lot of people also like to use training peaks. That's a third party that you can sync your watch to, and that'll give you an idea of your fitness. And the nice thing about that is you don't need to 
rely on any brand's platform. You can just use Training Peaks and use a Garmin or a Coros or a Polar or a Sunto or your Apple Watch, whatever. Re- record your run, it all funnels funnels over there. That is a paid service if you use it, but uh, it is kind of interesting. The next question comes from uh, my good friend Ryan Clayton, who's another YouTuber out there. His question says, what are your predictions for the next Apple Watch? Apple Watch Pro? Question mark. Yeah, I think we just talked about it. Uh, my predictions are they're going to hopefully put a crap load of battery life in it, make the watch bigger. Um, I don't know, maybe make it more robust, put a sapphire lens on it. I bet it's going to be more squared off and like rugged looking and less, you know, less sleek and sexy looking. It's going to be more like a man's watch or something. I don't know. They might do something like that to to help with the marketing. That would be really weird if they did that because Apple stuff is so, um, I don't know, over-engineered and, and beautiful. You know, like the MacBook Pro, I'm looking at one right now. I love it. It's a beautiful piece of technology with brushed aluminum and everything. I wonder what they're going to do with this next Apple Watch, if it's actually going to look rugged or they're, they're going to stick to that elegant kind of style. That would be interesting. Uh, the next question comes from Ben Russell Fitness. He asks, what's, his, what's your favorite trail shoe right now? I've got so many that I like right now. Um, I think if I have to pick a favorite, it's going to be it's going to be the Ultra Mont Blanc Boa that I just got just because I'm really having fun with those. But I also really, really, really like the Hoka Tecton X. I've been wearing that a lot. It's a very expensive shoe, but man, I feel like I feel like Killian Jornet when I wear that thing, <laughs> even though he's not even a Solomon athlete. It makes me feel fa- fast, and I'm not that fast of a person, so uh, I do enjoy that as well. Okay, I'll give you those my top twos. Uh, hopefully, that Hoka Mafate Speed Four comes in, and that might join them. We don't know yet. The next question comes from I am Floco. Floco, uh, bad bad pronunciation there. Uh, if you run and it's not recorded, is it still fun? Question mark. Oh man, I think he's indicating like if you didn't record it on your watch. I've heard this mentioned a lot. Like, are we overcomplicating it with GPS watches? Probably, but they are fun. I think you know. I gotta maybe that that would be a good like mental experiment. To just start running without a watch for a couple of weeks and go on intuition on how my body feels and how far I'm going. Um, and then, you know, see how that compares like a B test against having a watch on my wrist. That's always telling me how far I've run and reminding me that I suck. (laughs) Maybe, maybe that's a good test. I'll have to try that, but that would mean, you know, cutting off my ties with all these watches for a couple of weeks and then, what would I even post on YouTube if I wasn't wearing a watch? So, I, I yes, I think it's still fun. To answer your question, yes, it's still fun. And I think it's probably healthy to, to you know, test the waters before you commit to these tech things because you don't really need them. Like, they're not actually making us a better runner. They're just convenient. They tell you your distance and pace and potentially can keep you from getting lost. But you don't need one. Hope that answers your question. Next question comes from N M Seabert one five two. When did you start running? I never ran in school, and I picked it up later in life. That's the same with me. So I was not very active in high school. I was actually in a band. I played guitar. I had uh, gauged ears. I was really into like heavy metal stuff. 
I had, uh, I wore black a lot. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was me. And I was not really athletic at all. And that lasted right up until I was probably 22 or 23 years old. When I, well, not be, before that, I, I became a kind of a gym person. So I was lifting weights a lot and I actually got really big and jacked. I had big muscles and, you know, biceps and looked like a meathead. <laughs> no offense to anybody out there. I'm calling myself that. Uh, but that got old. I felt like I didn't feel healthy. Like I got winded going up a flight of stairs, even though I had all these muscles. So one day I bought a pair of running shoes. And they showed up in the mail and my wife, well, my girlfriend at the time, but now my wife opened the box and was like, what the hell are you going to do with these, those shoes? And I was like, I'm going to run. And she literally laughed at me that day because she was like, you're never going to run because I was kind of just the gym guy. And so, you know, fast forward 10 years later, uh, I'm a runner. It, it, it started slow. You know, I started doing a mile at a time, a couple of miles here and there, but after a while, I progressed to hiking in the mountains, and then I got into trail running, and that just changed everything. So I think it really, I think it really hit me at like when I was like 24, or 25. I started really getting into it, and then by by the time I was like 26, I was, you know, I think I started running ultras at that point. Uh, maybe not. Maybe maybe it was later than that. My timeline is all skewed, screwed up here, and I'm not, I'm not going to fact check anything here. I'm just going to shoot from the hip and hope that's right. Thanks for the question. Frank's Tactical says, uh, trail runners versus road runners. What's the difference? Great question. So typically in a trail runner, you're going to have a more robust, like a more durable upper, like the fabric on the top of the shoe is going to be more durable. But they balance that now with being lightweight versus durable. Um, they'll also be a little bit more protective around the, sh the lower part of the, the upper where there's like overlays where a rock might hit you or something. Uh, another big difference is going to be the material in the midsole. You're going to find that it's going to be cushioned, but sometimes they'll put a dual layer in there, like a cushion layer and then a hard layer to prevent any rocks from poking through. Some trail shoes will actually have a, a rock plate in there. That's like a piece of plastic or thin piece of plastic to protect you from rocks penetrating and getting into your foot. Um, and then on the outsoles, of course, you're going to see that a trail shoe is more rugged. It's got like big claws on it to grab the ground and give you better traction. But more importantly is the compound of that rubber. On a trail shoe, you want that to be nice and sticky and soft. So when you're going up like a, a steep rock face, uh, you can grab that rock with the shoe. On a road shoe, it's going to be more stiff and hard because you need it to be more durable since you're 100% of the time you know, on road where you're basically running on sandpaper, running, wearing away the bottom of your shoe on a trail shoe, it's going to be more soft. So if you run on the road with your trail shoe, nothing wrong with that. You can do that, but you're going to greatly diminish the life expectancy of that trail shoe because the sole is typically uh, softer uh, because it's expected that you're more on dirt and rocks and things like that and not on pavement, which is, I think something a lot of people, a lot of people don't realize Maybe they buy trail shoes for road running and then quickly realize they've destroyed their tra trail shoes quickly. Um, hope that answers your question. I, I'm not like a shoe expert, but that's my that's my take on it. Uh, G Ryan eighty three says, "What are some one hundred milers that you want to run?" Well, I already talked about UTMB at the beginning of this podcast. UTMB would be like my top pick if I got to pick 
One ultramarathon out of any in the world, UTMB. Second would obviously be Western States. I, uh, it's so like overhyped now, but like I need, I just feel like it should be on my bucket list. That would be super cool. Uh, Leadville is another top one. Other than like the obvious, those three, I think I really want to try. Uh, it's not a hundred mile. It's one of the 200 miles, the Bigfoot 200. That's uh, one of those destination trail run races. Um, 200 miles, you wear a GPS beacon so they can follow you. It's super cool. It's out there multiple days. Seems like a real adventure, but I'm not ready for that. Maybe I am, but man, that's, that's quite an undertaking. It's expensive. The registration's like a thousand bucks. I would need an airfare and hotel and all that stuff. It's a lot. But yeah, those are some that I've got, uh, you know, in my head that someday maybe I'll try or try to get into. I've got a ticket for Western States now, so I have a chance for next year. Uh, I think the lottery opens up in November, so we'll see. So the next question is from Colt Tony. Uh, race goals for 2023. <laughs> Honestly, I don't really have any. I should probably start planning. I don't know if I'll do Vermont again. I've already done it once. It was fun. It's so close to home, and it's it's really quite an event. So I might get past my PTSD on it and register again. I don't really know yet. Other than that, you know, I'll probably sign up for some local 50Ks, maybe a local 50-miler. But as for the big ones, I don't really have any in mind yet. Uh, maybe Grindstone I would consider or the Eastern States 100 down in Pennsylvania. Those are a couple that I might consider for next year. But I honestly don't even know when the registrations are for that. I might have missed those already and look like a dope right now talking about them. Probably not because they just happened. So the next question is Milotoba, Milotobla. Uh, how do you have time to train, run, and have so much going on with your life, with your kids, and work, and YouTube? Um, yeah, it's a juggling act. It's a lot of time management. It's a lot of, you know, sacrifice. I don't really have any friends in life. Uh, you know, I've got my core group of friends from, you know, when I was younger, and we still text and hang out here and there. But I don't have, you know, like poker night or like guys night or anything. Uh, I really just focus on my day job, and then uh, YouTube <laughs> it takes up a lot of my time, and then running, and then everything else is, goes to my family. You know, my kids have, they've got baseball practice and soccer and everything in between, and now they're going to school again, daycare, and it's a lot. So it's a juggling act. I, I A lot of times I'm driving around frantically wondering what the next thing I have to do is. I've got a to-do list, list in my phone that's way too long. I'll never finish but I'm just like everybody else out there. I'm not the only one with these struggles. Um, it's it's tough. And, you know, the, the age I'm at right now, I'm 38 years old. I feel like this is like the busiest time of my life. And it's probably the best time of my life. You know, my kids are young. It's a lot of fun. But it's also the busiest I think I'll ever be. <laughs> I mean, between 35 to 45 is probably the craziest that our lives will ever get because we're all trying to advance our careers and get more money and put it away in a savings account and you know, raise good kids. And it's just crazy. It's crazy. You can't do it all. So no, I don't have the time to do all the things. I'm just doing my best. 
And from the outside, it probably looks like I'm, I'm doing really well at it, but I can promise you that I've got my own set of challenges behind the scenes. Uh, next question is from Ryan Kolker, who asks, uh, as a car guy, I'm curious, what's your daily driver? That's an interesting question. Never asked before. Funny you ask. So I, I always tried to get like, you know, the four by four type SUV or that kind of car. I've always been drawn to those, but I've got four kids and they're all in car seats or, or the babies in her, you know, the big car seat. So that's challenging because I don't really have room for all of them. So I just recently, I think last year I went out and I got a Mazda CX nine. It's a, it's kind of a mom mobile, but I like it. You know, it's kind of cool looking. It's definitely not like the rugged off-road type car, uh, but it gets us around. It's got three rows, plenty of room, and it's got a roof rack if I get to put more stuff in there. Right now, I'm at a point where I'm I'm past having a cool car, and I'm all for having a functional u- utilitarian car. Um, that's my daily driver because I don't really my my wife drives the kids around more than I do. Her car is a uh, 2012. Ta- Chrysler Town and Country minivan. Heck yeah. And it's not only that, it's like beige with simulated wood inside. It's full out dad mode. And I freaking love it. <laughs> I'm not a proud man. And I love, I don't know, it's, it's comical. It's like, n- no minivan's going to be like super cool. So you might as well just go full on dad mode and get something that's kind of funny. And that's exactly what our minivan is. And it's super functional, man. It's got like a built-in flashlight you can pop out and uh, tons of storage space. It gets our kids around from A to B. It's got DVD player in there so they can watch a movie and stuff. Yeah. Why am I talking about this on my Chase to Summit podcast? I guess it, you know, it applies. I'm chasing summits in my minivan. Next question comes from Nathan Medina. What is the best Garmin watch in your opinion with full functionality without having heavy weight? I would go with the Garmin Foreigner 955. Just came out a couple of months ago. It's everything that you want, and it weighs not a lot. I've got one on my wrist right now. I love it. Um, The only downside is I wish I had a sapphire lens. I wish Garmin would make a lightweight watch with a sapphire lens because it would really... I hate scratches on my, my lenses, and the Gorilla Glass is good. It's just not like bomb proof like sapphire is. Other than that, it's a really great watch, and it's got mapping, navigation, great battery life, great GPS performance. It's, it's a really good all-arounder, and it's half the price of a Phoenix 7 if you went with, like, the Titanium or the Enduro or something like that. At 500 bucks, it's a really good deal. And by the way, I'll link uh, stuff. I'll, I'll link videos and links to these products in the description down below or the uh, show notes, so go check those out if you're interested. What's the reason, this is from BobCell21, what's the reason you started trail running? Uh, I think I got into this in a few questions ago, but basically I was heavy into hiking for a while before I had kids. Then we had kids and it turned out I couldn't set a lot of time to go hiking. So I actually got into trail running through necessity. I wanted to do these big backpacking trips. I just didn't have time for multi-day trips. So I tried to cram them all into one day by trail running. And I got, you know, I started pretty slow um, on local trails and then I worked my way up to longer distances and 24-hour events and things like that. But that's really what got me going. Plus, I just love, I love being out there in the woods. 
it's really like my medicine, my meditation. It gets, it grounds me. So I try to get out there as much as possible. And that's what I enjoy doing. But like I said, uh, the running aspect came later because I needed, to, I needed to get home for, for dinner or whatever. <laughs> Uh, the next question is from Seth, uh, play official Seth play official. What do you think about when you run? Great question. Um, think about all sorts of things. It's weird. I think on shorter runs, I'm probably thinking about like, uh, what's my to-do list, what I have to do uh, for work or what I owe or, or some bill I didn't pay or something. But a lot of times I can drop into like a flow state where I'm only thinking about my next footstep. And that is really the goal for me to get there because if you hit that flow state where you're just kind of cruising on the trail, the wind's blowing sunny out, no bugs, and you're just locked into feeling your feet hitting the ground, you're looking forward and you just zoned out. That is my goal. But a lot of times I can't get there. Sometimes I do and it's a beautiful run, uh, but other times I can't get there. And then other times, this is a weird twist is like later in an ultra marathon when I'm running really far, 24 hours or more, I get really emotional. It's very strange. Like I start thinking about my kids and why I'm not with them and what am I doing out here? And those thoughts can can come into my head. It's very complex and maybe I need a doctor. I don't know, but <laughs> it's a weird mix. And that might be just a psychological thing that happens when you're, you know, 24 hours into an ultra marathon. But that's really it. Hope that answers your question. Next question comes from a Patreon member. Thanks. Uh, Torbjorn HD HB from your first YouTube video to now, did you expect that you would come this far? That's an inter interesting question. First of all, I don't know how far I actually am. <laughs> I know I've got like 67,000 subscribers and the views and all that, but I don't know what any of that means really. Like, what is making it? What is, what is that? Because YouTube's a weird world. You see, you see, uh, channels with a million, two million, view, uh, two million subscribers. So when you look at that and you compare yourself, it's like 67,000 really isn't that much. It is like when you look at it, if you frame it in a different perspective, like if I were to say I have a stadium full of 67,000 people looking at me, I would not, I would be so scared and that's so many people and wow that's crazy but when you think about the landscape of youtube it's totally different so honestly i don't know how i feel about it i don't know how far i am or what what this is i'm doing i'm just i'm just kind of going with it and i'm still enjoying doing it hope that answers your question i don't really know how to answer that but thank you <laughs> ryan runs trails what's one feature of a sport watch that made you go wow Hmm. I think the first, I think, you know what it is? Uh, the Garmin Epix Gen 2 was the first like Phoenix style rugged watch with a sapphire lens that had an OLED display. And when I took that thing out of the box and turned it on, I was like, wow, that is a beautiful display. And this is what I want on my wrist. And that's, that was that moment. Um, other than that, I think the first time they introduced a heart rate sensor on a watch was the Garmin um, Phoenix 3 HR. I remember that was a game changer at the time because we didn't have to wear a chest strap or an armband anymore. You could just you could just wear your watch and get heart rate data. It was like, whoa, that's crazy. So that was another wow moment. The next question comes from Mountain Man. How do you pay, plan your pacing for ultra marathons? Do you use any tools? 
That's a great question. And I've changed over time with this. So uh, a couple of years ago, the way I would do it is I would take my goal time. For instance, if I wanted to get sub 24 hours at a hundred miler, I would take that, that time and I would extrapolate it into an average. So I knew where I needed to be in order to hit that time, which is one way of doing it. But then you've got hills, which kind of break that up. Um, but it wasn't perfect, but yeah, so that's what I used to do. But at my last hundred miler, I went with a totally different plan. I, I, instead of looking at my actual pace number, I looked at my heart rate and my goal for the first half of the race was to keep my heart rate under 135 beats per minute. I mean, it got up to 140 a few times, but I was trying to stay in that green zone, uh, zone three to stay below you know, the anaerobic or aerobic zones to avoid uh, lactic acid buildup. And that really worked. Uh, I was shocked. By the time I hit mile 50 in that race, I still felt pretty fresh. I mean, yeah, I was tired and my feet hurt and stuff, but I wasn't feeling like the fatigue I would typically feel if I was like really hitting the gas. And I think focusing on my heart rate was a huge change than just pacing because just pacing, you could burn yourself out and not know it. And if you gas out too early in the race, you're you're done, right? So uh, for me, the heart rate has been a game changer. Yeah, you probably won't hit a goal time if you're if you're like want that sub twenty four, and you're only looking at heart rate. You may not hit it, but you may finish the race and not need a hospital after. So that's the trade off. Thanks for your question. I hope that helps. I mean, keep that in, keep in mind. I'm not a coach, so. I'm not a coach or like a pro athlete or anything. This is just like how I do it. Hope that helps. Next question is from WL White. Uh, do you ever run in sandals? Never tried it. And I find it super amazing that people can do it because I stub my toe way too often to even fathom putting sandals on and running. The farthest I'll run in sandals is from my door to my car if I'm late for work or something. Uh, yeah, I've seen people at like super gnarly 50 mile races wearing like those uh, Chacos or whatever. I can't believe that. It's crazy. So no, I've never done it. Next question come from, uh, comes from Social Runner 21 What's your biggest temptation or cheat that throws you off in your training? Hmm. Um, I'll say there's a couple of things there. I'll say binging on... Uh, eating the wrong foods and too much alcohol consumption. Like I, I drink booze and you know, if I drink too much of it, it definitely, definitely messes with my week of training. The morning runs get a little bit harder. I definitely don't feel as fresh in the afternoon. So limiting that in the other part of that is, uh, the other big cheat I'll call it is being lazy after work. Like if I work a full day at my nine to five job, in the office, and then I get home, take off my shoes, and I'm like, just toast, but not physically. It's more of a mental thing because I have a desk job. I just don't want to run, man. Like, I don't want to lace up my shoes and get out there. My kids are around. We're eating dinner. It's just like, it's a wind down time. So it's really hard for me to, to be like, okay, I'm going for a run, especially now that we're entering into September. The days are getting shorter. It gets It gets darker quicker. It's been a challenge, um, and that's really the hardest thing for me is just getting motivation at the end of the day. After I've already had a full day, especially when the baby wakes up early at 5 a.m., and you know I've already been awake since 4 or 5 a.m., and I've had my full day of work, and now I have to run? 
really? That's the challenge. So um, that's really it for me. Hope that answers your question. Hope that wasn't too much of a complaint. Next question is, what are some of your suggestions for balancing family time, training, and work? Um, I would say scheduling. If you can schedule out, like, here's my long run day. Here's, uh, you know, when I want to do strength training or cross training. Um, And then the other part of this is being supportive of your partner's goals. Like, if you live with somebody who helps with your kids um, and you and you can work out a way where you support them and then they can provide support back. It feels like a give and take relationship more. If you're just giving all the time and you're the one watching the kids and you're doing this and that while your significant other is out there in the woods on a 50 mile run, you're going to feel pretty, you know, annoyed by that. So you need to provide some support for what they want to do. And it doesn't have to be even an athletic endeavor. It could be they want to go to a cooking class or they want to get a glass of wine with their friend after work or they want to do something and they need your help to get there. Helping them will help you because if if you can get them to, to do their thing, they'll let you do your thing. And I find that's what helps with my wife and I the most is uh, it's a give and take. You know, I, I try to pr- provide what I can as much support as I can for her and she will reciprocate and and let me do my thing. Hope that helps. It's probably pretty obvious advice, but that's what, what works for me. Other than that, it's a total, uh, it's a total cluster around here. (laughs) Uh, Mike Elkins asks, what's your typical hydration, nutrition or hydration and nutrition plan for running a hundred miles? And what are your favorite foods? So the hydration and nutrition plan is very personal for each runner, I think. Uh, What works for me is a lot of salt. So I typically, right from the starting line, I'll start taking in uh, Tailwind, which is a hydration mix. I'll also take in Liquid IV, which is the sponsor of this podcast, like I talked about at the beginning. And those two have a ton of sodium and electrolytes. And I actually go back and forth between them because... Tailwind has a bunch of calories. It's like 300 calories a serving. Liquid IV doesn't have a lot of calories. It's like 50. And so if I feel like I need more calories, I'll go to Liquid IV. I mean, I'll go to Tailwind. And if I feel like I just need a boost in electrolytes, I'll go to uh, Liquid IV. That really works wonderfully for me. But at a certain point, those two can get old and you start like feeling the sugar in your throat. And I like real food at that point. And I always reach towards like granola bars, uh, stinger waffles, cliff bars, even though that's kind of, kind of cliche. I like cliff bars. Uh, the white, the white chocolate macadamia nuts, my favorite. Um, I like real foods in that case, but a lot of times for electrolyte and sugar intake, I just rely on a drink. Occasionally, if I'm like in a real bonk, if I'm really down, and I feel like I need something, I'll take in a gel or a caffeinated gel and that can give me a little uplift or a boost. And very rarely, I might take in a salt cap. Um, but that's really that's really it. I'd say my favorite food, that's the second part of your question, at, at an ultra, will typically be at an aid station uh, at the Vermont 100. My favorite food there, they had a uh, bacon wrapped up in a tortilla that just hit the spot. It was killer. And that was my favorite food there. But I can't really put my finger on one specific favorite food from every ultra I've run. I would say that was one of my top picks, though. That was a lot of, that was really good. Went down as a memory. And it happened late at night. Oh, another good one at Vermont was uh, ramen, ramen noodles. It was kind of chilly at night. 
They had some ramen noodles and like a chicken broth or something. And man, that went down. It was warm, salty, and the noodles weren't like fully cooked through. So they were a little bit chewy and it was just right. Loved it. Uh, sounds kind of gross, but that's, <laughs> that's what worked for me there. That's really all the questions. I think I went really long on that. I apologize. This podcast episode is over an hour long, which I don't usually do. Uh, but I had some time today, so I thought I would get all the questions. And uh, I thought I hope that was fun. Let me know if it wasn't fun, and I'll stop doing this. Like I said at the beginning, if you've got any questions that you want answered in this podcast, you want to be featured, you've got maybe a guest idea or a co-host idea, shoot me a message over on Instagram at Chase the Summit. You can DM me. You can tag me. You can use the contact form on my website. That's chasethesummit.com. Also linked down below. And finally, uh, shout out to the merch store one more time. If you're listening, use promo code LISTEN10 at checkout and you'll get 10% off your order. And that's really it for this podcast. If you enjoyed it, I would really appreciate it if you gave me a five-star rating on Spotify or Apple. That really helps this podcast be seen people recognize it more if I get more ratings it's kind of a big deal so do that and if you want to help support what I'm doing here check out the link at the bottom of the description or the, the show notes for the patreon group because again patreon group is a big deal you help support the podcast you help me keep turning this microphone on and doing this thing every week and I find that really helpful all right friends that is really it for the podcast I know I went long this week but uh I wanted to if you enjoyed the podcast, make sure to follow and subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on. This was a lot of fun. Thanks for the questions, and I'll see you next week. Bye.